Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. Uh, now, we are going to continue glory and redemption like I mentioned, and, and so let's begin just with a, a little bit of a review. You know, we've been going through the Old Testament so that we can understand that these are not just historical stories that we can learn some sort of moral lesson from, but instead, each of these stories are the recorded history of God's plan for redemption, the plan of bringing mankind back to Him after the fall. And so last week, we talked a little bit about His his next step that began in chapter 12, and that was to call out an individual, Abram, and his family, that he might begin to work through the life of one man and one family as representatives for himself and continue the plan of salvation through them. And so in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abram and he says to him, to your offspring I will give this land. And he's talking about the land of Canaan, the land that we know today as Israel. And so God says to Abram, I'm going to give to your offspring. Now the word there, offspring, it's very specific. It is seed. And so it, it means I'm giving to your children, to your child, this land. To your descendants who will come from your body, this land. And, and so later on in chapter 13, verse 15, God says, I will give your, you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. So we, we, we see it unfolding as God is interacting with Abram. He's called him out of his pagan lifestyle, told him to go to a new land that he doesn't know anybody and he doesn't have anything. He's living in tents, but God says to him, I'm going to give to your child and, and the children that will come after them him uh, all this land that you see. Now, remember, what is significant about that is Abraham, or Abram, excuse me, at this point, uh, he's, he's 75 and getting older. You know that happens, right? And, and Sarai, who is his wife, she's 65 and has been barren her whole life, unable to conceive. And so here you have an older couple who are, it, it just seems impossible that they will ever have a child of their own. And yet we see God multiple times promising to Abram and Sarai that they will have a child and that child will have children and those children and grandchildren will possess the land of Israel. And, and it continues to unfold in, in chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, God says this to Abram. He says, after these things, it says this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus, who was his slave or servant? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, no seed, no children. You've promised this land to my offspring, my seed, but all I have is an heir, a slave, who isn't even my own child. And because you haven't given me this offspring, a slave born in my house will be my heir. And God answers him once again and says this, now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. The slave is not going to be the one who, who inherits everything from you. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Your seed, your physical children will be that numerous. Your physical descendants. And so God over and over again in his discussions with Abram has promised that he will have a child. Now up until this point he has not made it specific um, a, a couple of little things and, and we're going to find out that that actually serves to the detriment of Abram in his following and his faithfulness of God. 
So what we see here, though, is that God has promised Abram over and over again that he will have a child from his own body. It will be his own physical child. And then Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. God looks down at Abram's faith and says, Because you have believed my word, I see you as righteous. Now this is a a foreshadowing of the fact that we are declared righteous in Christ, not because of our good works, not because of, of anything that we do, but because we have faith in Christ and Christ alone. But... The problem is, is even when you believe, you struggle. And and wouldn't you agree with me on that? That when you believe the Word of God, when you believe His promises, when you believe in His hand, that He will shape you, He will take the dust and make something beautiful out of it, it still isn't easy to walk a life of faithfulness. And that's kind of where we see Abram and Sarai, that they are older, they are struggling with God's promises, they, they know he will give them something amazing. There will be a child in their future. And yet, here they are getting older and older, and there's still no child. The, thing, the time is passing. And, and so we get to the point where Abram, is, uh, he's about 85, and, and, and Sarai, she's about 10 years younger than him, 75, and they're still without a child. And, and it brings us to Genesis chapter 16. And so if you'll look with me in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 16, uh, verses 1 and 2, just to get us started here. So Genesis chapter 16, it says this, Abram's wife Sarai had not borne any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So we see this promise, you will have a child, a physical child, Abram, one that is, is your own seed, it still hasn't happened. And Sarah and Abram, they're very aware of this promise, but they're very aware that it has not come to pass. And so Sarah begins to, to think to herself, I've got this slave, Hagar. In verse 2, Sarai said to Abram, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her I can build a family. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Now, most of us would look at this and, and we, we, we go, that isn't how you're supposed to do it. But this was actually not uncommon in this patriarchal area, era for a, a woman to give her slave to her husband in order that their, their, uh, their children, their number of children might increase. And, and the, the slave's child was viewed as the child of the woman, essentially. But, but we look at it and go, wait a minute, why would you do this? God has called the two of you out of where you were into a new life. It's always been the two of you. It's always been Abram and Sarai. Why are we adding somebody else into the mix? But Sarai and Abram, they start looking at their circumstances and they compare it to what God has said. And they say, aha, we think we've got it figured out. We think we know how to make God's promise come true. And, and so Sarah says, Sarah says to Abram, why don't you go to my slave and we'll build a family through her. Now, um, Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Now, my wife likes to really dog on Abram for this. It's like, Oh, a younger, pretty woman? Sure. Okay. That's a great idea, Sarah. <laughs> um, uh, why didn't I think of that? Um, yeah, he didn't argue at all. He wasn't like, yeah, I don't know that that's right. No, but, but that's not really the point. The point here, when we read this scripture, is that they knew God's promise, and they thought that they had figured out a way to force God's hand. They thought they had figured out a way to make the promise come true. We got it all figured out. We know exactly what God wants us to do. Now, Nowhere in here does it say God came to Sarai and said to her, you should give your slave Hagar to Abram. Nowhere does it say God came to Abram and said, Sarai will remain barren and there's nothing I can do. Why don't you take her slave? Nowhere in here do we see this coming from God. This is completely from Sarai and Abram. And so um, it, it tells us, 
in, in verse 3. So Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife for him. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan ten years. So we know on this day, in this circumstance, Abram is 85, Sarai is 75, and, and it's, it's reasonable to say, look, God is not going to do what he promised if we keep just living way, the way we are and, and, and making the choices we're making. We're, we're trying to conceive, but it's not happening, and we don't expect it to happen because we're only getting older, so let's solve this problem on God's behalf. We're going to do it. it. It makes perfect sense, does it? Doesn't it? I mean, we, we found a solution. I've got this slave. She's ready. Let's go. And so Abram goes into her. He sleeps with her. She became pregnant. Yes! Problem solved, right? When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. In other words, Hagar starts hating Sarai. And we see that Sarai begins to repli- uh, reciprocate that hatred. All of a sudden, there's this, this simmering, burning jealousy between the two of them. Hagar's like, well, I gave him a child. And Sarai's like, yeah, but I'm his first wife. I mean, you can just see that, that this is a, a perfect setup for a terrible circumstance. And yet we, we would go, but wait, wait, they were trying so hard to do the right thing. Well, They were trying to accomplish what God had promised, but they were trying to do it in their own reason and power. We fall prey to to what we call pragmatism, that let's look and let's find a good answer and then let's do that. Bless you. And so, sorry, I told you a little dusty today. Uh, Weird things come out when I'm dusty. But, 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 Hagar, I mean, excuse me, Sarai and Abram, they, they think Let's, this is the right way to do it. And so we say it, it starts to give birth not just to a child, but also to, to, to pain and to, to struggle, to hatred. And, and what happens next is that, that Sarai gets to the point she is treating Hagar so poorly, is what Scripture tells us, that Hagar breaks down and runs away. Abram just kind of gives up on the situation. He's like, hey, you just, it was your slave, so you do what you want. I got nothing to do with this. I mean, I just you know, went into her, and, and now there's a child involved. And, and I thought it was a great idea then, but this was stupid. You figure it out. He just kind of backs off. And we see that the, their pragmatism, their, their let's force God's hand, let's make God's promises come true by our own power, has result, it, its result is... is Broken relationships, it's anger, it's hatred, it's, it's trauma. And if you continue to look, Hagar runs away. She goes out into, into the woods. She's ready to just die and be done with this. And then God appears to her. The angel of the Lord comes to her and comforts her and, and reassures her and, and says to her, verse 11, the angel of the Lord said to her, you have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord heard your cry. Of affliction, and that's literally what Ishmael means. He heard your cry, heard you you crying out to the Lord for help. Ishmael literally means that God hears, and then he tells us, uh, or God tells her that this man will be like a wild donkey. He'll be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. He will settle near all his relatives. So we have this prophecy in verse 12 regarding the nature of Ishmael. That that this child that is conceived by Abram and Sarai and Hagar trying to force the hand of God to get for themselves his promises instead of following and waiting for him, we see that now there's going to be this child and he's going to be like a wild donkey. Now, if you've never dealt with a, a domesticated donkey and, and they're stubborn, there's a reason why we use some of the words we do to describe certain types of people, right? It's because they resemble the animal that we're calling them. And, and they're stubborn and they're rude, and they bite, and even the domesticated ones are a pain. 
but a wild donkey is nearly impossible to deal with. God says that Ishmael, this young man, the result of, of Abram and Sarai and Hagar working together to try and force God's hand to make his promise come true, his hand, Ishmael, will be against everyone. He is going to be a, a man of war and division and destruction. And he's going to do it right next to the, all of his relatives. Well, who are his relatives? What we're going to find out as it unfolds, his relatives are going to be the very children of Abram and Sarai or Abraham and Sarah that God had promised the land to that are going to be produced a little bit later and according to God's perfect plan. And so what happens is Abram and Sarai and Hagar, they work together to try and force God's hand to make his promises come true according to their own plans and desires. And what it results in is enmity and strife and a battle in his family. And then ultimately, it's going to result in trouble and trauma for everyone involved for generations to come. Now, when we look at the history of of who Ishmael is and, and who he ends up being and then who his descendants are, we can look clearly and understand that Ishmael is the the forefather of many of the Arabic nations from which Islam springs. In fact, Islam views themselves to be heirs of the promises made to Abraham by God through Ishmael. And so the reason there is such strife and fighting between Jews And Muslims is because they both say this belongs to us through the promise that was given to Abram and Abraham. This belongs to us. And so so we end up here with a young man who is born, the end of chapter 16. So Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham, Abraham, Abram, sorry, it's so hard not to read Abraham, even though it's Abram, because you're ready for him to be Abraham already. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. So here this child is born, and yet all this child is going to bring is trouble and strife, not just for Abram and Sarai and Hagar, but for generations to come. And even into our modern day, this choice made in chapter 16, let's try and force God's hand to get what he's promised. Let's try and do it our way to achieve the things of God. We see that it has seriously negative consequences for years and generations and lifetimes to come. And then we we flip over into Genesis chapter 17. Nowhere in Genesis 16 do we see God talking to Abram or Sarai. We see him comforting Hagar, but the man he has chosen to represent him, the family that he's chosen to represent him, Abram and Sarai and their offspring... He has not spoken to them yet, and so we get to 17, and we see God speaking to Abram and revealing what he thinks about what's transpired. So verse, chapter 17, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, so all of a sudden we have 13 years transpiring. Ishmael has grown up. Things have, have changed. His house Abram's house is still in turmoil, you would imagine. Because we've got Sarai, and we've got Hagar, and we've got Ishmael, and, and there's this tension. And, and Abram's probably trying to you know, make the best of this choice, and, and knowing in his heart that this was the right thing to do, because God promised me a son. Chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. And God says this, As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Finally, we've made the transition so we can just say Abraham from now on. Your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. So God renews his promise to Abram, who has now been, his name's been changed to Abraham because there's a change in his status. 
Not only am I going to give your offspring the land, I will make them rulers. You will be the father of kings and nations. And that sounds really good, doesn't it? And then God continues to talk to Abraham and they make a covenant together and and there's this beautiful covenant ceremony that happens and and stuff. But, But here's what we see then. God continues to communicate with Abraham and God says to Abraham, as for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai for Sarah will be her name. The name change always reflects a change in status in Scripture. So something clearly changes in this moment. And what has changed in this moment is that it is finally time for Abraham and Sarah to have a son together. Their status has changed. They're no longer Abram and Sarai, the couple to whom the promise would come. Now they are Abraham and Sarah, the couple for which the promise will come to pass. And so God says, Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. So it's taken this this 13 years... As, as Ishmael has grown up and Hagar and Sarai and Abram, they think they've got it all figured out. They've, they've made God's plan work. I mean, he hasn't been kind in this and he hasn't worked with us, but we made his plan work. We forced his hand on this. We've made his promises come true by our choices. And then God comes to Abraham and says, oh, guess what? You're going to have a child through Sarah. That's actually going to be the child of promise. That's the one I, I meant for you to wait for. That's the one that was always coming. And and Abram, he he falls face down, verse 17, and then he laughs and said to himself, can a child be born to a 100-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? I think this is a relevant question, don't you? (laughs) I mean, people at this time were still living to be 120, 130, 140. So Abraham and Sarah are late middle age. But she has been barren all these years. There's no reason to believe in our own power and in the way that things were that that this could happen. And Abraham Abraham is just overwhelmed with the fact that God has said, this is going to come to pass. But then he does this interesting thing. He starts to ask God, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. God has made this promise Abraham, Abram, Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, they've been waiting for this promise to come to pass. They were ready for it so badly that they, they tried to force God's hand and figure out their own way to make God's promise happen. And now God has said, that wasn't the way I meant for it to be. You didn't do rightly. You didn't wait for me. But now, in spite of your doubt, in spite of your pragmatism, in spite of your uh, lack of faithfulness in this manner, I'm still going to fulfill my promise. And Abraham's response is, how could that be possible? Why don't you just accept Ishmael, God? We had this figured out. We had all the answers. This was perfect. And now you're telling us it isn't right? If only Ishmael were acceptable to you, but God said, you know, let me think about it. It's possible that maybe you did the right thing. No. No. He's not acceptable. He's not the child I promised. He's not the one that was to come. You tried to force my hand. Instead, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. And so we see that that God, in response to Abram and Sarai, trying to, to force his hand and make his things, the things that he had promised, come to pass in their life through their own power and through their own decisions and their own wisdom, God says, that's not acceptable. But I'm still going to do what I promised for you. And so... By the time we get to chapter 21, God's promise is fulfilled, but it's fulfilled 
his way. It's fulfilled the way that he had always planned. Not according to Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai, forcing his hand and making him fulfill his promise. But instead, it was always going to happen, but it was going to happen in his time. It was going to happen his way. And all Abram and Sarai had to do was wait for the day that they became Abraham and Sarah, and that promise would come to pass. So chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant. A 90-year-old woman who's been barren all of these years, she becomes pregnant, and she bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. It was always God's plan. It was always God's way. The promise was going to come to pass. But Abram and Sarai got so freaked out that it wasn't happening soon enough or on their time frame that they did something that they thought would fulfill the promise. But that wasn't it. It was always going to happen. But it was always going to be dependent upon God and His timing and the way that He had appointed for it to come to pass. But then we get down to chapter 21, verse 13, and we see that there's still strife going on. We see that, that not only has God fulfilled His promise, but we, but we also see that there's, there's now even more strife between Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. And not only that, but Ishmael is, is making fun of even Isaac. And, and there's this tension, and, and, and God tells Abraham, send them away. Just send them away. But, but for your sake, I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation as well, because he's your offspring. Now, that was the grace of God. That was God's love. It was his compassion to say to Abram, Abraham, I'm going to redeem your bad choice. But guess what? there are going to be lasting consequences. Like I mentioned, that, that Ishmael becomes the father of what we know today as, as, as Islam, essentially. The, the Islamic people groups, the Arabic people groups. And, and so there's this tension, and it has been for generations, and it continues today, all because Sarah and Sarai and Abram chose to try and make God's plan come to pass in their own power. So it says that eventually there's so much tension that early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. You know what, Hagar, Ishmael, it's been nice. About 13, 14 years, really enjoyed your presence, thought you were the answer, but you're not. See you later. <laughs> now God takes care of them. And God does great things with Ishmael, but it's not the things that God wanted to be able to do, and it ends up causing tension and strife for generations. The, the point of all of this is to say some very simple things this morning. God's plan for mankind's redemption has always been certain. Now, it's the same thing I said last week, and I probably will say it a few more times. But at no point in Scripture, at no point in, in the history of mankind, has God ever been in a place where it's like, ah, oh, I don't know that I can make this work. I, I don't know that I can figure out how to save people and, and draw people to myself. It's always His plan from Genesis chapter 3 on to provide a way for you to be saved. And it starts with, with we see it, the, the hand of Noah, and we see God scattering the nations. We see God calling out a single man and, and providing two nearly dead people with a child. And we're going to see that child be blessed and have a children, and, and those children, one of them be chosen and be blessed and have even more children and more children and more children. And then one day, from, from that man's descendants comes the Savior for all mankind, Jesus Christ. That plan was always certain. We see it in Genesis 3. He, he told us there's going to come a day where one man will come and crush Satan. He will crush sin. He will crush this curse and bring you back to me. 
God's plan has always been certain. And if God's plan is certain, it means that that plan is dependent not on people making choices that are in their own eyes wise, but it's always dependent on God's timing and provision. And and that's true for Abram and Sarai who become Abraham and Sarah who become the parents of Isaac who become the father of... Who's who's Isaac's kids? Jacob and Esau, sorry. See, dusty day. Jacob and Esau. And and then Jacob becomes the father of 12 kids who become the father of even more who become the the nation of Israel. Who You know, out of that we've got Judah. and, And out of Judah we have Jesus. And from Jesus we have salvation for everyone. But it was always dependent upon his timing and his provision when he was ready to do the next thing in this process of salvation. Galatians 4.4, 4, we've mentioned it before, but we, we might wonder, why didn't God just send Jesus sooner? It's because he had a plan and he had a purpose. And it took the time that he wanted to take to accomplish the things that he wanted to accomplish because it was all about coming to a point where his plan was complete. When the time came to completion, God sent his son. In other words, when the time was perfect, when everything was ready, when his purposes and his plans had all come to pass the way he had desired, he sent his son Jesus. Now this should be so encouraging for us because we know that not only has God got a plan for the big picture of redemption, but God had a plan for your redemption. The person who shared Jesus Christ with you God planned that. God had, a, had a, a, a time that was just right for them to come into your life and share the good news of the gospel, that you are ready to receive it, and that good news, it sprouted up, and now it's producing fruit. And, you know, the truth of the matter is also, He has got a plan to use you to come into somebody else's life at just the right time and share the good news that they might be saved. He has a plan for the people that you love, for them to hear the gospel. Be patient. Don't force things. Don't be like Abram and Sarai and say, ah, I got this figured out. I'm going to guilt them into receiving Jesus. I'm going to beat them over the head with a big, thick Bible until they repent. Share the good news. Trust God's timing. If his plan for redemption over all of those thousands of years was always certain, but always dependent upon his timing and his provision, we should also be able to trust that the same is true in our day and age. That the plan for salvation of individuals is certain. And he will bring these things to come to pass. What's our part in them? To continue to walk in faithfulness to him to continue to walk in faith, to continue to share the gospel whenever we can. And it doesn't mean like you got to be all in-depth and say, let's study the Bible. Just God bless you. Anything I can pray for you about today? And that's planting a seed. That's beginning the process. That's God using you to move things forward. But I I do want to tell you that just like in the case of Abram and Sarai, they thought they had figured out how to make God's plan come to pass. Our pragmatism is insufficient for fulfilling God's plans. In other words, arm twisting, bait and switch, giving money to make somebody do what you want them to do, guilting them into doing what you... None of those things are appropriate tools to bring God's promises to pass. None of them are. If things aren't the way you feel like God has promised them to be, Be patient, walk faithfully until his plans come to be. If he's promised it, it will happen. Now, sometimes we like to read scripture and think that something was promised that wasn't really promised. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can fly, right? I mean, all things. (laughs) No, no, take that in context. You can suffer all things through Christ who will give you strength. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That means a new car next week, right? That's what it means. And I'm going to do everything I can to make that promise come to pass. No, what it means is God will provide your needs. It means you won't starve to death, you might not be naked, and you'll usually have a place to stay. Those are God's promises. And and his promises will always come to pass. But your pragmatism... 
You're thinking you've got stuff figured out and you're smarter than God and you can force his hand. You can make something good happen on your terms instead of being patient for him. That's not what he's looking for. When we look at the results of Abram and Sarai, thinking they had God's plan figured out and moving ahead of God's timing, what is the ultimate result? Pain, distrust, anger, broken relationships, and not just for them, but for generations to come. The fruit of them trying to force God's hand lasted for generations, thousands of years, and lasts still today. When you try and force God's hand, when you try and make things happen according to what you think is best, instead of being patient and waiting for God's hand, you could cause hurt and trouble as well. The, the, the writer of Proverbs he makes it so very clear to us. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs fourteen twelve. And just in case you didn't get it, a little bit later in Proverbs, Proverbs 16.25. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Abram and Sarah thought that they had the right way. They had figured out God's plan. They were going to move forward whether God was ready or not. And what does it result in? Death of relationships. Death of, of people, ultimately. As the descendants of these two men become warring nations. Now, we can sit back and say, well, God knew, God understood. Yeah, but, but the thing is, is, did it have to be that way? If Abram and Sarah had just been patient, if they had just rested in God's promise, remained faithful and trusted God for the outcome, wouldn't it have been better? So much pain. So much suffering could have been avoided. So much trauma. So much trying to figure out God instead of just sitting back and trusting Him. Somebody asked me in the last couple of weeks, you know, how do you know when God is telling you to do something? And how do you know when it's the next step? And I just got to tell you, it, you know. It always lines up with His Word, first of all. It's always in line with His character as revealed by Scripture. And it's so very clear. And so if you're sitting back and wondering, well, should I do that? Well, first of all, does it, is it a sin? Is it illegal? Is it immoral? No. Does it line up with Scripture? No. Well, then don't do it. Does it line up with God's character and what God would tell me to do? Yes, be faithful. The circumstances aren't quite right. Then be patient and let God open the door when it's time. I mean, you see, it's, it's, it's about when God says it, believe it, do it. When God hasn't said it, Wait. When God isn't clear, be patient. Don't try and force his hand. Don't try and make things turn out the way that you want them to. So, so where do we end up? Well, well, it says that Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. We see Abram and Sarai, they're two believers. God had declared them righteous because of their faith, and yet they still struggled with being obedient and patient and waiting for God's timing. So if you're like that, you're ready to just push forward and make things happen, you're not alone. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't see you as righteous based on your faith in Christ Jesus. What it means, though, is, is you need to take the time to learn the lesson of Abram and Sarai. You can't force God's hand. You can't make things happen. <clears throat> Even those promised things, according to your own wisdom and your own power. Instead, you must be patient and wait for God's timing and wait for God's provision and wait for God's clear word to step and to move and to do. That's why I love the Lord's Prayer. And, and, and you might wonder, well, why? You don't, you don't, nobody wants to pray vain repetition, right? No, I'm not telling you that. But I want you to, to read it with me in light of waiting for God's plans to come to pass according to His timing and provision. Read it with me like this. It's, Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, a clear statement of submission, a clear statement of trust, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. You know more than me. 
You are greater than me. You have all of this in your hands. Your kingdom come. I believe there is a better day coming where your promises will be true in every way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to be patient and wait for your plans to come to pass. Give us today our daily bread. Give me today what I need to live faithfully as I wait for your plans to come to pass in my life. And forgive us our debts or our sins as we also have forgiven those who sinned against us or our debtors. Help me to stay in right relationships with others as I wait patiently. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Help me not to fall to my own wisdom. Abram, Sarai, they looked at the situation. They said, I got it all figured out. God promised it. I'm going to make it come to pass. They did not wait on his timing. They did not wait on his provision. They did not wait for him. And they fell prey to their own temptations and the ploys of the evil one. And it created a circumstance, not that God couldn't redeem, but that was less than the best that God had planned for them. And so today, I want to encourage you to to learn the lesson of Abram and Sarai. Have confidence in God and His plan for your life. Today you might feel a little dusty, but He will make beautiful things according to His promises of each and every one of us. And so we can be confident that when, when He has spoken something into our life, that it will happen. Now the timing, I can't ever guarantee that, right? You can't guarantee that. How it comes to pass, there could be some pain involved in the process, but it will, and His plan is sure. And then secondly, I want to encourage you to daily, regularly submit to God's power and plan, and timing in your life. And for me, the way I do that is the Lord's Prayer. And I know that sounds, uh, this isn't just empty, hollow recitation. This is my Father who's in heaven, whom I trust with my very life because you gave it to me. Your name is holy, and you are perfect, and you are beyond me, and so I can trust you. I want your kingdom to come because your kingdom is the only place where there'll be true peace and true justice and true righteousness and true happiness. And I want your will to be done here on this earth, which means I have to put my will away and I have to put my will aside. Give me today exactly what I need to make it through the day because it looks like it's going to be a rough one. Forgive my sins. And help me to forgive others. And don't let me fall prey to pragmatism or trying to figure out my own way or live in my own righteousness because I know that that is the path to opening up the door for the evil one. And so this life of regular and daily submission, it brings us to a place where we don't fall into the same trap that we see Abram and Sarai fall into, trying to force God's hand trying to use their own wisdom to bring God's perfect plan to pass instead of waiting on Him. When we wait on God, we see dead things produce new life. Be patient. Trust His hand and live in regular submission to Him. And I know that there's so much to be concerned about. All we have to do is flip on the news and and some of us are concerned about diesel, we're concerned about groceries. Did you know there's going to be a sriracha hot sauce shortage? Right? So much that that can just consume us. God, how are your plans going to come to pass in my life when I don't even know what my job's going to look like next week? It will. You're going to be fine. His plans are going to come to pass. Don't be overwhelmed by this world and the things of it. Believe on Him and trust in His hand, brothers and sisters. He will take the dustiness of us and make beautiful things 
when we live in submission to Him. And what we see is over time, as, as people walk with Him, as, as there is obedience and submission, His glory is revealed and His plan of redemption comes to pass throughout the generations. And so it will come to pass in your life and the life of the ones that you love as well. So today, let's just end as the worship team comes forward to, to lead us in a last song. Let's just end with some moments of submission. Whether you yourself want to open up your Bible or, or just read on the screen here the, the Lord's Prayer and put it in your own words according to your own heart, but take some time to submit to Him. If you've been trying to make God's things happen in your own power and according to your own wisdom, take a moment and repent and turn those things back over to Him. Listen, you can't strong arm your children into being better. You can't force your boss into being the right man. You can't make plans of God. Even the best of them come to pass by your own wisdom and power. And so you need to repent if you've been trying to do that on your own strength. And spend some time in submission to Him. So here's the Lord's Prayer before us. I encourage you, if you don't have words of your own, use the words of your Savior to express to the Father your dependence upon Him in bringing His good promises to pass. Let's just spend a moment in prayer. free.
Like we mentioned last week, that, na- that word amen, it's not some magical word. It's this beautiful declaration together. May it be so, Lord. May we be free in you. May we trust in your hand. May we submit ourselves to you, walking with you day by day, knowing that your promises will come to pass, but in your time, according to your plans and in your provision. May you be blessed this week as you know the hand of God, as he continues to shape you and mold you and make you. Be patient for him. Allow him the time to bring things to pass according to his plan and purpose. God bless you guys. If you're interested in serving in outreach, get with uh, Steve and sign up for uh, the Community Day Outreach next week where you can join others in in prayer, where you can invite uh, folks in our community to be prayed for and uh, just do our best to reach out to them and let them know that we love them and that we serve a God who is amazing and has a plan for their lives. God bless you guys. Have a great week.